0: The Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art. I like to paint monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zogg.
1: What's up, Mike?
0: Hey, Chet. Hi. I'm pretty good today. How about you? I'm doing good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just um, waking up. We're going a little early today, so it's weird doing yeah. this for the first time without video.
0: Yeah, it is weird. It's uh, normally we're able to cue off of each other's faces. This is like old school radio from uh, <laughs> afar somehow. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, try something new. What's, yeah, why not? What's going on in your world?
0: Uh, I just got an early start today. I've got, you know, I'm juggling a variety of projects for a variety of clients as well as my own, my own projects. And so I was trying to get a few things done early so that I can go out and actually do some outdoor work. Cause today is, you kind of got to take advantage of, of what the good days are here. And today it's not blowing, you know, 50 miles an hour and therefore it's not as dusty and it's not as cold. So I was going to go out and do some work on, uh, on the fire pit and the Kiva and some of the trails and just more of the really kind of getting the infrastructure ready for people to come out for land of enchantment tours here uh, in summer and and really getting it set up for people to be able to camp out here and enjoy the facilities as it were.
1: Cool. I'll have to come out for that. Do Hell I, yeah, dude! Do I get a free Land of Enchantment tour?
0: Of course, you get a free Land <laughs> of Enchantment tour. It'll, you you can uh, cash in on that when you bring me a free painting.
1: That's right. Yeah, that sounds fair. I'll bring you See? a painting. I owe you a painting, definitely.
0: Yeah, so I would. I you know I would give you a. I mean, I've already given you how many Land of Enchantment yeah. tours for. So clearly, that's part of our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just still over there.
1: Oh, it's good. I'm just. I've been focusing on the Patreon. I got a few yeah, more, a yeah. few more patrons, and um, every day I seem to be getting more. So I'm just excited about coming up with new things to post, and you know, getting tutorials together and stuff. It's really cool.
0: I love. Yeah, it's it. been fun, fun to see yours. You know, now that I'm, I'm backing yours and a couple other people's, David Stupakis and stuff, um, through my, through my land of enchantment, to our Ritual Art Patreon. Um, I've been able to really get to follow even more of what's going on for you than I thought I already was, knew what was going on, you know, and I'm your yeah. closest, one, of your, one of your closest <laughs> friends anyway. Yeah,
1: that's the thing. Uh, it's it's I, I'm, I'm posting things in way more detail than just a quick, you know, image of something and then I like one-liner. It's more like I get to go and explain everything about the artwork or what, around, the story around it or it's really cool to be able to just... To do, you know, be more intimate and more open about everything. Even though I've been open in the past, it's still, I haven't gotten into this much detail and really explain things. So it's a whole new world.
0: Yeah. It was fun to see you express that, that dread story. And it was funny cause I had, you know, I posted, actually I went to post dread as my favorite 2010 piece. Well, cause I love your, uh-huh. a lot of your 2010 pieces, but then I was like, there's no way that dread could be it because pipe dream, and you know, that whole story related to that. Uh-huh. And so, it was funny then that he posted it and I was like, Oh, that's my second favorite. And then you're on Patreon telling the story. And that's part of the reason it's my second favorite is because it's such a great story.
1: Oh yeah. I think Adam Bennett posted that in, mm-hmm. in the thread. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to post that and tell the weird story about it on Patreon. It's a great you know. story too. Yeah. It's freaky. <laughs> it's disturbing. <laughs> uh, so, well, let's get it, got, get it, get it. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: all high on coffee. Um, Let's get it on with the first guest. And I wanted to say before I introduce him that he, uh, because he had some issues with uh, his Wi-Fi that he's in the other room. So you might hear a dog bark, some dog barks coming from both of our our, uh, microphones, like slightly delayed, which is kind of weird. But anyway... So, who
0: which, let the dogs out?
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jim Bianchi is one of my oldest friends. He might be my oldest friend at this point, and um, we go. He got me into makeup effects when I was a kid and a teenager, and we had our crazy Ouija board experience together. That whole mystical period in '87 was he, was a big part of that, and we worked together in the film industry after that for many years. And he is the or the The uh, consultant on Face Off. He works on that that, uh, TV show Face Off, and he now produces movies, and he's got a GoFundMe. And so anyway, welcome, Jim Bunky.
2: Hi, thanks very much. That was a great (laughs) intro. Yeah,
1: that was pretty good. Well, (laughs) hey, you've you've done a lot. You've done a lot, and we've got a crazy history together, that's for
2: sure. Yep, way back. Uh, You were 14, and I was 19 when it all started.
1: Yeah, CalArts. Yeah, I went to, uh, I had a, just to give you a little background, I had a, um, my brother had a friend named Andrew who lived in San Pedro, and he started going to CalArts, right? Yep. And he was friends with you, and so he knew I was into makeup effects, and I was like 14, so he took me up there one weekend, I suppose, or a day or something, and uh, I got to meet you and see all these Masks you were making and props. It was super cool for me because I was, you know, alone in Pedro. Nobody else was doing it. And I didn't really get to, I never, I don't think I'd ever really seen anybody who was doing that. And you were doing stuff for, wow. You were doing stuff for, you did stuff for the Quiet Riot music video and you were doing stuff for the opera, maybe? The LA opera? Yeah.
2: Opera wasn't happening yet. But uh, yeah. And And Andrew had actually talked you up long before I met you he I think you were 12 years old when he started talking about you yeah oh and wow you were 14 when we finally met and that just occurred to me I had never met anyone because I was from Missouri I hadn't met anybody who did it either until I got to Cal Arts, where I met Shannon Shea and James Cummins and Steve Berg and that gang
1: oh wow what a trip yeah I forgot that I forgot you met Shannon
2: there what a, what yeah. a trip um yeah We well, yeah uh, Shannon Shea and, and I had uh our own little like studio in his garage while we were both at CalArts. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: when When yeah. I when I met you, you were living in the bathroom. <laughs> you
2: know, I was just trying to remember yesterday <laughs> if, when we met if if I was living in the bathroom or in the design loft because I was I was living in the bathroom because they got kicked out of the dorm because right. there was too much gelatin and plasticine and plaster in the carpet yeah (laughs) and then i got kicked out of six months later i got kicked out of living in the bathroom because it was illegal so i just (laughs) i just sort of became a ghost i lived in the design loft where you know i just kind of wandered around during the days and i would sleep there in a beanbag chair at night wow yeah and that's where i did i made the quiet riot mask while i was living in the design loft illegally
1: wow Wow. that's amazing (laughs) yeah and, I, it, that was so cool going in there because it's like oh there was just it was just this whole new world for me as all artists and you know being from pedro i was like you know me and i had a couple friends that were interested in art and my dad though i mean he was he was but he was kind of alone in pedro right but, so it was cool to go there and be in this environment with all these older guys that were like creating artwork and they're all like Artie type people and smoking weed and what I m- remember <laughs> that. Do you remember that one guy we sat down and he started going, man, I just, I just heard that Bowie's fashion was about fascism. Do you remember that whole thing?
2: Uh, yeah, that was Dave. <laughs> he was, uh, lived next door to me in the dorm.
1: It was so yeah, funny. Cause totally. he just like said it out of nowhere. It was just typical. It was just so funny. Just classic kind of arty, uh, arty kind of totally. talk.
2: And I that was classic David too. Yeah, I mean, he was always spouting about stuff like that. And I felt the same way again. Coming from Missouri, I—I oh, bet—went from like the most conservative place on earth to an opium den, <laughs> <and somewhere laughs> where you know there was a few artists in high school, but being immersed in something that's a hundred percent art, twenty-four hours a day, was quite a trip.
1: Uh, yeah, it must have been a, a um, like a homecoming of sorts. I'm sure. Mm-hmm
2: yeah it was like meeting my family for the first time
1: yeah 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 speaking of that i know you had some crazy uh uh experiences growing up with your love of monsters and since we are the dark art society podcast you know you i know you've <laughs> you you wanting to make monsters was not very popular in your family i think <laughs> didn't didn't weren't you didn't people think you were demon possessed or something <laughs>
2: Yeah, my mom, of course, had threatened to call an exorcist once or twice. But, you know, (laughs) honestly, it's her fault. (laughs) When I was three or four years old, she took me to see the Sinclair dinosaurs, which were full-size, life-size fiberglass dinosaurs that were made for the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. But after that, for the next two years, they toured the country and they would set up in mall parking lots. And that was my first experience of, Oh my God, this is not our normal world. I mean, I'm a three year old standing next to a full size Tyrannosaurus Rex. My mind was blown and my life was changed. Wow. Uh, Sure, she regretted it, but it, you know, it kind of set my path from then on.
1: (laughs) Didn't she scare you with a mask too? Wasn't there a
2: good. Oh my God. That's one of the best stories ever. Yeah, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, My mom was up in the attic, you know, Mark. attic is actually a finished attic. So it's got like eight closets. I walked up the stairs, turned the corner. My mom's body is bending over into one of the closets. Little did I know that she found an old skull mask in there. She put it on and pulls herself out. I flipped out. I screamed my head off. There's mom's (laughs) body with the skull head on. (laughs) I ran like downstairs, probably out the door. I don't even know where I ran to. I probably ran two doors down to my uncle Mike's house and Freaked out on him, and uh, yeah, that was a huge experience. And I don't know how much later, maybe a month or two later, I asked mom where that skull mask was because I wanted to play with it, uh-huh. and she said, "Well, I, I threw that away. I thought you didn't like it. It was like, no, I
0: didn't
2: have
1: that. <laughs> no, how can I process this fear if I don't have the mask?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I got to put it on my own face and look at
2: myself in the yeah, mirror a little right. bit." Oh, yeah. I mean, I, of course I wanted to make things like that. Um, you know, it's just, it's very traumatizing when your mom pulls her head out of a closet and it's not your mom anymore. Yeah, we actually right. used that for uh, the Psychopia, the uh, haunted house that Paul Paulus and I did. We did a, a mom in the closet routine where this uh, mom's body had changeable heads. She leaned into the closet with mom's head and leaned out with this really grotesque, horrifying head.
1: Yeah, that was cool. Uh, that was another cool thing you did—a haunted house. You've done so many, so many interesting things in your career. First, we should mention your your GoFundMe before we talk, get into your your history and yeah, stuff. Because yeah. mikey has got a GoFundMe going. He's been producing movies now. Um, he produced a, a movie called The Monster Project, and. Uh, created the effects for that and did some really cool stuff for that and now he's got one he's trying to raise money for called quarantine christmas
2: quarantine christmas yeah this is a simpler one it's a a, a version of the one set five character money maker mm-hmm. uh we're gonna be shooting it in san diego in may i just found out we lose our lead actor in june so we actually have to shoot it in may now oh shit uh-huh. uh, so anyway uh Go to my Facebook. I, there's a quarantined Christmas. Sorry, you hear the dog. Yeah. Uh, there's a quarantined Christmas Facebook page and my page Jim Banky B E I N K E. They both have links to the Indiegogo. Or you can search Quarantined Christmas on Indiegogo. And hey, any help would be appreciated.
1: Yeah, and uh, he. Uh, we'll, we'll put a link in the in the description as well, so people can click get, get there from the SoundCloud page and stuff. So.
2: Um, oh, absolutely! Oh, yeah! I forgot to tell you what it's about. It's yeah. <laughs> quarantine Christmas. It's a lot like what it sounds. Uh, eight friends are quarantined in a house over the holidays. They find out that one one person has been abroad and has brought the Ebola virus back. But uh, and then someone gets murdered. So you have it's a multi layered script. There's the suspicion about who's the carrier of the virus, and then there's also the suspicion about who's the murderer, and There's an affair which is caught on camera uh, that the main character is filming the entire thing. It was originally going to be found footage. We decided to go traditional, but there's still going to be a few glimpses of the found footage because everybody's trying to get the camera from him because there's incriminating things on the camera. Uh So like I said, it's a nice multi-layered thriller. It's not quite sci-fi since Ebola is real, but uh, (laughs) sort of a thriller, slight horror, murder mystery.
1: Well, cool. I'm stoked that you are finally producing movies because you have been meant to be producing movies all along, I think.
2: (laughs) Thank you for saying that. uh, Yeah, I agree. And as Chet can testify, the worst part about working on movies is the asshole producers. That's kind (laughs) of why he got out of the business to focus on his painting. Right, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, it's like People like Chet and I should be producing,
0: not the people that are already producing. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even, you know, that's why to whatever degree I was relieved that even though I had to do all the work to make the documentary about Chet, I like to paint monsters at the same time. It was like I didn't I just had Chet and, you know, he was the only person I had to really atone to. And he's such a chill dude. And he's so easy and you know even though it was a really personal project to him at the same time he was really able to just adjust and and really listen to me and and take my ideas into account but also set me straight when it was necessary so you know again I I definitely think that either one of you being a producer on a film you know would make it so much easier for the people that are trying to operate and facilitate all of these different moving parts simultaneously
1: yeah yeah I I mean I'm not the most organized person Bunky's a lot more organized than I am but it I feel like I know when there's a I'm very willing to to go with an idea that's not my own. If it's the best idea, you know, I'm, I'm very much have it in my mind that the the project is the, the most important thing. So my ego doesn't get hung up very often. I don't think. And I, would know, agree. I like to paint mm-hmm. monsters was a, my first uh, experience with kind of producing. I ended up, you know, I only ended up as a producer because by the end of it, I was sort of producing it because I was sort of helping the way that it was shaping up and and helping develop it well I mean
0: and you were also setting up I mean every time I came out to LA you had to set up all the interviews like with Jim Beinke you know you had to I I didn't know these people so you had to call them and let them know okay here's the guy and here's when he's going to be there I know you haven't met him and then you know so you were I mean that that's you know, you were facilitating all of these different connections between all of these different people that were key and integral to the storytelling process, you know, and that is very much uh, in the producer's job in a lot of ways, at least on a small production, like what I was doing, which was like me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: I enjoyed, I enjoyed not having to, it's nice to just kind of have a, a big picture and sort of help shape it from afar and not be, bogged down with, you know, doing all the stuff you had to do, which is film and edit and deal with the sound and the lighting and everything. Yeah. But Beinke's had, you know, amazing projects just sitting there His as, as long as I've known him. All these scripts <laughs> he's written and it's like, I'm so, I'm really excited that you're getting into producing because, I mean, we always talked about making movies all along, mm-hmm. you know?
2: So. Oh, I know. Just the the one thing that always got in the way was money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now with crowdfunding and, and uh, you know, this whole new era of of raising money on your own, it's, you know, this is this is the new thing. This is it. This is the, the great that's, equalizer.
2: That's true. And uh, Chad and I are going to be co-producing something after quarantine Christmas, which we can't talk about yet because it's not copywritten yet. I actually meant to copyright that this week, so we could. But oh, well. Next time.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That that. There's there's a couple things we've got brewing. You know. That oh yeah. We really, really, really cool ideas. So it's just a matter of time and money. But um, yep. I think it's just a matter of time when things are just going to yes. keep getting bigger and stuff. So, um, so okay, you came out from uh, Missouri from a conservative background black sheep of the family. You went to Calarts. you got kicked out of the dorm and lived in the bathroom. Then you lived in the design room. And when did you end up, uh, moving to Moiselle manor? That was the other cool thing is, uh, Blanky lived in this place. Uh, his fucking dog. This is Sydney, the puppy <laughs> sells puppy.
2: I'll sit the other chair with my back to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so, so the one, one, uh, cool thing uh, about our relationship is Bunky lived in Hollywood in this really cool um, monastery. It was an old Theosophical Society monastery that was turned into apartments and run by this slumlord named (laughs) Mayor Moisel. (laughs) And uh, I eventually ended up moving in there and it was really 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 cool kind of crazy art community in Hollywood and People were tripping every day, and it was insane. But anyway, I remember visiting you there. You had that tiny little place and working on Nomads, I think. Or was the Wraith first?
2: Well, no, uh, the Wraith was, we shot the Wraith, we built the Wraith in late 85 and shot it in, I mean, yeah, and then shot it in early 86. Nomads, I don't i help the lady
1: i just came and did some shrunken heads for the motorcycles
2: i think that was for never too young to die oh, never That's too like, young to die okay oh my god we have to this movie because it's on almost every worst 10 list in the world uh never too young to die it was like a junior on John same character whose dad was the real you know the,
1: the hey, real spy can you stay hey, hey binky binky coast. Hello? And, hey <laughs> uh, hey mike yeah,
0: yeah can sorry. you hear me go binky
1: ahead. you're you're breaking up really bad let me go see if let me go hold on one second let me go tell uh, let me go see if lisa can stop uh streaming video i think that's what she's doing uh, so, so here's a spot we might have to add it maybe unless you guys continue to talk so give me one second
0: maybe i was moving around the okay. yeah it's pretty choppy hmm. said so i moved back from the chair to the other now you're chair. now you're clear right now
2: okay it's i just- think it's because i was moving to try to
0: get away from the dog noise yeah i'm trying to avoid the dog noises oh my god my <laughs> internet yeah <laughs> welcome welcome to first world problems right yeah oh story of my life Right. So you guys lived in a, was this place like haunted or was it just really cool because it was a theosophical society?
2: It was just very cool. It was built by Krishnamurti in 1912. Oh, wow. And, uh, it's, yeah, it stayed a monastery for a few decades and probably 60. 16- Hello?
0: Hello. We Hello. were talking. He's Where he's kind of bit he was clear for a minute and then it kind of garbled up again. Okay, hold on one second. One more second. Uh, did you get the uh, did you get the Cortona story? No, I just love? heard I just heard Krishna immersion and that was uh, it. Darn. Well, I'll repeat that. Chet, I think Chet's turning off peripherals.
1: Okay, yeah. I'm back. Cool. A, hey. we might have to edit that for the first time. Oh, for sure. <laughs> okay, where were we?
2: Oh, uh, you were talking. Mentioned-
1: never too young to yeah. die.
2: Right. That uh, the Shrunken Heads. Those weren't for Nomads or the Wraith. Uh, nomads I did in 1984. Uh, never too young to die. I did in 1985, and that's very infamous because that's on almost every worst ten list in the world. It's a uh, a, a young James Bond type character played by John Stamos his dad is the real international spy and he's his dad's kidnapped so he's kind of taking over for him and his girlfriend is vanity oh the my best god part Sounds is, terrible oh, well hold your breath <laughs> <laughs> the best part is the villain was played by uh Gene Simmons he was the transvestite villain named the villain Oh my god <laughs> Wow, that's a winner, Seriously. man. <laughs> yeah, in case that wasn't clear enough, Gene Simmons played the best high villain, Velvet von Ragnar. <laughs> wow.
1: See these high quality the old, films
0: we work on? I'm a bit terrified. <laughs> you won't be disappointed. <laughs> I don't know. The image that I haven't that my image that my mind created out of that might might actually top what it actually what he actually looks like in that role. <laughs> Because right um, now, what I'm, what I'm seeing is pretty terrifying. I don't know. You should check it out on Google Images. I think you might be right on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but before, before actually, I was just thinking, before that, uh, you hired me for the Magic Mountain Halloween hunt. Oh,
2: yeah. That was the first time, because you were only 15, so I had to get a work permit. Right. In order to hire you and make you slave labor.
1: And then my mom used to give me a ride up and drop me off at your place, and then we would go work on... But uh, it was so much fun working on the Halloween hunt. Oh my god.
2: That really was. That was that was one of the times of my life. I mean, how often do you get to like turn an entire amusement park into whatever you want, you know? Yeah. And then then when they're all done, you just run around the park looking at everything.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I got to, I remember the last night I got to dress up and run around and scare people, which was really fun. Right. And I remember that was the fir- the thing I remember about that is that's the first time I ever discovered that hot hot glue is like napalm because I was gluing that netting oh, gee, onto the fair. creature from the Black Lagoon suit. <laughs> and and I just glued right through the net onto my fingers. And it was just like,
2: oh my God. Oh, just, onto your fingers. I thought you were talking about uh, burning the actor.
1: <laughs> no, no. It was all over my hands. It was like, I basically yeah. sp- squeezed a hot glue gun all over my hand. And it was just like, oh. I didn't realize it was that hot.
2: It's one of the most <laughs> things in the world. Oh yeah. It's, Super hot, like <laughs> three hundred and seventy-five degree minimum. So okay. And so another thing oh, no, go that ahead. just occurred to me about uh, Magic Mountain is that's actually the first time that custom-made foam latex prosthetics were ever used for an amusement park, and now every park's doing it. Oh wow! But that was that was a first.
1: How cool did Did you have a decent budget for that? I never asked you about the budget for that.
2: Well, for me it was because I started doing it when I was at Cal Arts. Right. So any amount of money was great as far as i was concerned i mean i did the quiet Riot and asked for $75 oh my so. god really <laughs> i probably could have charged 5 grand without even thinking about it oh
1: yeah for <laughs> sure what 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 was do you remember the budget for the the haunt the haunt didn't
2: really have a budget it's like i would get you know a small amount from them like maybe 800 to sculpt and mold and run the foam prosthetics. Uh-huh. But I had a I had an open-ended PO number to go to Friends Beauty Supply, and I just bought whatever I needed. So I actually didn't even see any dollar figures for the huge purchases.
1: Oh, yeah. And then they just paid us directly, right? It was like the theme park paid us?
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. You were basically theme park employees.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, that was super fun. Uh, anyway, so, so so... so you ended up in uh, in Hollywood at Moisel Manor, and um, how did you get there? Because that was that was I, such a cool place. That was amazing. yeah, it was.
2: Well, uh, Gretchen is the one that found the place. Oh wow! Uh, Gretchen had that's graduated Le- Art. That's, that's Lisa's
0: Actually, mom. I think my wife's graduated- mom. Yeah. Oh, we're. It oh, works. okay. <laughs> well, I knew I because of the painting that you've done that's called Gretchen. And right. I know the story behind that painting. So when he said Gretchen, I was like, oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah, but thanks Long. for the clarification. That's
1: that's how I, we all know each other is because of Lisa's mother, Gretchen, who went back to school, yeah. quit her job as a teacher and went back to school for theater and went to CalArts. And then she met Bunky because Bunky was always standing out in front. She said she was, he was always standing out in front of the cafeteria and he, he was, he didn't have any money and he was hungry. So she would always feed him. <laughs> yes. And then she introduced Lisa to Bianchi and she helped him work on some music videos. And then I met Bianchi and that's how we all kind of got tied up together.
2: Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lisa came out to visit and announced to Gretchen that, um, she was pregnant. Ta-da! Uh, and
1: that
2: was, that was Jeremy. Right. And, uh, that was in, I believe, February of 83. And uh, then Gretchen, again, Gretchen graduated the year before. She had uh, then done a work study. She was like hired by CalArts to run the box office. Hmm. But then in 83, she needed to you know, get out of CalArts and go off on her own. And she went to apartment shopping in Hollywood. And she found this place at Moisel Mansion. And she actually got the biggest apartment in the place a lot of the apartments were tiny mm-hmm. gretchen's was one of the bigger ones so gretchen and lisa and another friend of ours michael rotzler from uh cal Arts uh, yeah. were all roomies there and i had no place to stay i went uh back home to visit my family with andrew and then when i got back um i went over to gretchen's and it's like hey can i crash on your floor for a while and a while turned out to be about two months and then an apartment upstairs opened up i really couldn't afford it but uh I took it and money just kind of always happened after that.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, I remember you had one plate I'd come to visit you and work <laughs> and then we'd have, we'd have pizza rolls on the plate. It was the plate. Oh, nice. There was like a stand for it. There was a plant, like a plant stand and he would have the plate sitting okay. there <laughs> He had one plate. It was, was, was very spitan.
2: ritualistic.
1: It, it was great. It was just great. Cause it was like, you know, Mikey's like me, he's really messy. So it was just like. Plaster bags of plasters tiny little room bags of plaster clay. It smelled like oil Roma clay in there and it was just like yep. tools everywhere and masks and all just jam- it's like my studio. It was like kind of like my studio or it's like a tiny little space jammed with all this cool shit. Yep. I good? can
0: picture it because I've seen, I've seen Banky's garage space at your place and I've been to Banky's house. Oh yeah. And yeah. He's got a, an <laughs> amazingly beautiful place, but he definitely has it packed to the gills with like the most amazing curiosities and oddities you've oh, ever yeah. seen in your life. You yeah. Know? yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh...
2: it's only gotten worse since then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you moved there and then you started working for the LA opera doing props for them.
2: Yeah. And I music so... video, the cheat I, trick I, video I and all that. Right. Well, actually, when I was still at Moisel Mansion, I did all the pendulum production rock videos, which was you know Quiet Riot, Cheap Trick, Ted Nugent, Motley Crue, uh, those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, when I moved to my Hollywood house down on Hudson near Santa Monica, mm-hmm. that's when uh, you know my rent basically quadrupled, so I had to start hustling more work and. Uh, the Los Angeles Music Opera, Music Center Opera, paid well, and opera is what movies were a few hundred years ago. You know, some of them were like Lovey Dovey and all music, but there were also some really twisted, bloody special effects ones. Like I think my second opera was Salome, so they needed John the Baptist head on a platter. Oh, I remember you know, that. We- yeah, That's yeah, so awesome. you, you you worked on that because that was like the first time I had the flu in like seven years, and it was the day to core the mold. So I had to have you come up from Pedro. Oh wow! <laughs> to uh, core the John the Baptist mold.
1: Yeah, I don't even remember. Binky, the another great thing about Binky is he's got this incredible memory. So I don't remember anything. He knows dates <laughs> and years, and so it's kind of like nice to have that. That's Mike's. Uh, Mike's like that too. He's really good with dates. So between the two oh, of great. you guys, I, I I can keep track of my life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that was a uh, that was October. September '86, when you gored the John the Baptist mold. Wow, you can remember that. It was my first year at the uh, the Hudson House. Yeah, and and, uh, oh, the, the Hudson House was next door to Bella Lugosi's house. Yeah, Bela Lugosi's oh,
1: cool. house. <laughs> yeah, it was so cool, and that's where we had all the crazy Ouija board tripping totally. experiences. I mean, that whole that was Ground Zero for. <laughs> the big boom, spiritual boom that happened, and uh, yeah, that was that was that was one of the funnest times of my life. Oh, like doing, for sure, doing that Ouija board and taking psychedelics every weekend for all the right reasons, and and all that spiritual yep. learning stuff. It was incredible. It was like we were being taught spirituality from some entity on a ouija board as crazy as it sounds it, but it was you know mm-hmm. say what you want about it it was a blast it was one of the best yeah. times of my life it's me and, Cra- and least crazier
2: than it sounds i mean you can't write half of that shit.
1: i know, you know i know that's gotta that's gotta be a script in the future let me tell you
2: yeah for sure
1: and then we came up with that really amazing script idea back then too remember with the the yeah,
2: in instruments of regret yeah, Instruments of Regret. I forgot about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, with the dog, with the headless dog running backwards. And oh, yep. it was so much cool, raining, rusty nails. nails. So yep. cool. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's got to happen. And you still have that script, right?
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, that was Multiple killer.
2: I've, I've actually picked at it in the years since. Oh, cool. So it's actually been fleshed out a little bit.
1: I got to read that. Yep. Anyway, okay. So, yeah. That I mean, if you want to know about the all that crazy stuff, unless Mike has any questions, I mean, you can kind of we get a, get a little brief <laughs> well, o- overview of the in the documentary.
0: I, I got to say though, it's like what's funny to me is is that when I came to make the documentary about you, I did not know you. You know, I didn't know who you were, Chet, and I was like, but I could tell that there was something. There was something that had happened, some kind of major event. And I, you know, being, you know, we're all kind of self-centered and egotistical. So for me, it was kind of like, well, it has to have something to do with dreams or something, you know, because that's (laughs) my thing, right? And, you know, the classic egotistical perspective, oh, well, it's got to be something similar to do with me, you know. (laughs) But I I knew that, you know, I I very quickly realized it had nothing to do with that at all. And then that's not a thing for you. But I knew there was something there and I just like couldn't get at it. So it took years where it was like I'd interview you and I'd be trying to get you to talk about it and you'd kind of like him and and dance mm-hmm. a bit around it. And then I went to Bianchi and he talked a little bit more about it, but he was also a little bit uncomfortable and it was all because all three people, you, Lisa, and Bianchi all had your different you know, feelings about it, but hadn't really talked about it in years since. And then when I went to talk to Lisa, she just like laid all the cards on the table and she was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I this, know. Was, this is what it was. And it, like, it was so beautiful for Me because it finally like all came out, and I was like, okay, now it makes sense to me. And if Chet will let me, I could package this for a viewing audience in such a way that it could make sense to them too, and also be an enjoyable little ride, you know. I mean. Jim dug out the old Zeria board and mm-hmm. took all these high-res shots for me so I could do the animation sequence where we're moving around on it and right. all of the actual notebooks in front of the fireplace yeah. that were the real writings that, you know, all this B-roll and then also just his part of the story, you know, because each person opened up a little bit and then Lisa just, you know, pulled the floodgates that, well, that's and the, it all came out. You that's know?
1: that's the funny thing is that I think, I mean, I know for me, she, yes. Lisa's always been the, and I, I bet you this is the case for you too, Mikey, but uh, she's always been the, the she was always kind of the reluctant, natural witch sort of of the group. Mm-hmm. And Mikey and I were more like, uh, we wanted
2: everything, right? <laughs> we were like
1: seekers, and she was like reluctant, and she was like this third component that had to be there in order for this thing to work, and right. um, and so she like she was like like I said she was just reluctant through the whole thing so I know that me coming out with that story was a lot of it was like I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to I don't want to I wanted to respect her privacy as well as binkie's but yeah. I know that she would probably have the biggest problem with it and then ironically and that binky probably felt the same way and hundred percent oh, yeah and then Lisa ends up being I still, the one I still that can't believe it. I know and then Lisa ends up being the one to like lay it all out there because <laughs> so, I mean after it. But, after it happened, I was like, I wanted to tell everybody about it, and I did. I started telling everybody about it, but I was like 19, or I don't know how old I was, 18 or 19 yeah, or something. Yeah, you were
2: 19 when it started. Also, uh, we weren't supposed to talk about it. We weren't supposed to tell anybody. Remember, it was like top secret until oh, we finished our training type of a thing.
1: Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, but I, I was actually kind of surprised you wanted to talk about it as much as you did on I Like to Paint Monsters.
1: Well, that's the thing is... Uh, like I said, I, I after it actually happened, you know, eighty seven, eighty eight, I was trying to tell people about it because I felt like I got the good news, you know, it was like right. <laughs> the big <laughs> mystical experience, and I, I would tell people about it, and people just thought it was full of shit, you know, because I was this nineteen year old kid, and so after years of trying to tell people about this uh, and just getting shot down, I just was like, you know, all right, fuck you, people, then I'm not going to oh, tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> What?
0: I tell no one. Yeah, I was
1: just like, you know, fine. You don't want to know? Fine. And then, you know, all this time passes, 20 years or whatever, 30, I don't know how many years it was. And then it it seemed like, you know, it just seemed like the opportunity, perfect opportunity. I mean, I I told the whole story to um, John Baynard, who uh, created my book, my Black Magic book. Oh. And he, he was like recording everything and uh, cause he did this big interview of in my life and then put the, you know, kind of an, uh, 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 an essay on my life in the book. And then I told him that whole story. And then after I was like, no, nah, don't put any of that stuff in there. Cause I just wasn't ready. I just thought people would think I was insane. And then I got to a point where I didn't care by the time of the documentary, if people thought I was crazy. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's probably because, you know, when you go through that, What's- what was that?
2: Oh, I was
0: just going to say John. Oh, So Mikey's breaking up. You're
1: breaking up there, Mikey.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: What?
0: Um, is it better now? No. It doesn't want you to talk about it. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Quit talking about it. <laughs> that could be. Let's
2: okay. Let's change the subject. And see if that helps.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now it's now it's now you sound fine. So maybe not. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs>
2: 19, 1988. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, let's go into uh, anyway. That that was that. Uh, what what? Watch my documentary. Yes, watch I Like to pay yes. Monsters. Yes. And, and get so in, in
2: 1988, I started working. Uh, this was like my second phase of doing rock videos, and that was at uh, Propaganda Productions. And I worked with David Fincher a lot. This is back when David, David Fincher was first starting. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man, I did um, know that. He did uh, lots of uh, rock videos and commercials. We did some really weird, cool stuff. He like pushed me farther than anybody else had at, at, to that point. Well, was he cool? Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: I I didn't remember. I mean, him. He,
2: he you know he could be a tool on set, but never to me because I always did the cool stuff that he liked.
1: Right? You know? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> no, we'd um, one of the things like it, uh, we won a Clio award for best effects for a commercial uh, for a cult forty five commercial. I oh. made a, a Pharaoh statue that came to life. You know, it was prosthetics on an actor. Oh yeah, I remember and, that. And and one of the coolest things. It's very simple, but he wanted. Um, a girl to look like a wax car so i made these resin drops that you know varied from a quarter inch to about an inch to an inch and a half and we spent seven hours gluing these resin drops all over her and she just writhed in the shot and he had some lattice go up in front of a light and so it had a, a light pattern go over it as well one of the coolest shots i've ever done you know yeah i remember simple.
1: that i remember that and you from yeah, your portfolio
2: yeah. right and uh let's see he did the music videos like uh, Steve Winwood, Anita Baker. He was going to do uh, the Prince video, the Bat Dance video, mm-hmm. the, the Batman movie, the first one in '89, but the budget got cut from three hundred thousand to a hundred thousand, so he backed out, and Prince's manager wound up directing that one. Oh wow! So anyway, propaganda was like my my second. Uh, rock video home in the late 80s. And, and they, it was all high-end stuff. It's like I wouldn't do a job for them unless it paid over $10,000 type of a thing.
1: Right, wow. And is is that when you did the Lita Ford video? I remember you did the Lita Ford video too.
2: Yeah, that was the right <laughs> era. I don't remember. I don't, I don't think that was propaganda though. I think that was an art director who I had worked with at Propaganda that did it for Limelight or one of the other rock video production companies. Yeah, because I remember- yeah. I
1: mean, Lisa saying, because Lisa helped on set with that, and she was saying yeah. that Ozzy Osbourne came and he was all totally fucked up, and his feet—he <laughs> was walking barefoot, and his feet were all nasty. <laughs> it
2: was Nasty. He had sclerosis to the liver or something. He was just not a pleasant guy to be around.
1: Yeah, it seems yeah.
2: like he's shaped up a little since uh, yeah. his TV show. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he
1: was. He was probably full-on uh, drug addict, alcoholic at that point.
2: Yeah, and the, the, the hypocrisy drove me crazy because Lita's mom was dying of lung cancer, so nobody was allowed to smoke anywhere near her, except I, was, I smoked inside, outside, wherever the hell you oh, were. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff just annoys me. Yeah, yeah. I actually ran into Lita Ford at uh, Monsterpalooza a year or two ago. No way, does she you remember you? Uh, she Well, yeah, because Al was there too. Remember Al played the Caterpillar? Oh, yeah. And he also played the Mad Hatter when the original Mad Hatter quit. So Al was <laughs> on set the whole time. Oh, shit. So Al and I went up to Lita and said, Hey, remember us? We did this and this and this. And she's like, Oh, yeah. And boy, she had a few things to say, which I can't repeat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Oh, yeah. There's so many stories when you actually work yeah. on stuff. Oh, my God. It's not glamorous yep. at all. Um, so, okay. How did you, how did you end up at Altarian? Because that's when we started. was, isn't that when we started working together again?
2: Yeah. I mean, we had always worked together, but it was always on like the smaller weird projects that I would get. Mm -hmm. You had started working on the blob in 87, the exact same time we were doing all the Ouija board stuff. And you stayed at my house a lot because the, the blob, the blob shop was on Hudson, the same street I lived on.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's so crazy. Two blocks away. (laughs) I know, it was so, oh, it was amazing. What an amazing amazing time. And
2: it's such a fun movie to work on, too. Mm -hmm. So you had been with Tony Gardner ever since then. It was in 1990, the opportunity came up to go to Florida to shoot Swamp Thing. And it's like, uh, you, me, and Lisa really hadn't worked together, you know, that much recently. Right. So we kind of decided, let's all three of us go do it. And we did. How long were we there for? That one, we were there about two months for season one, part one, where you shoot the first thirteen of a, a series. Then, if it gets picked up, you shoot the back nine. Right. So we were there June through August for the first thirteen, and, and then we went back November and December for the back nine. Oh, it got picked up.
1: Okay. Yeah, that was that was quite an experience working in Orlando in the wasn't it in the summer. Oh, yeah. It was miserable. <laughs> miserable. Oh, my God. That was for Swamp Thing TV, the cable TV series, which we got an ace award right. for, right?
2: Wow. We were nominated. We didn't <laughs> win it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, that that was a very funny thing. One, it was the Josephine Baker story. And Dick Durant played Swamp Thing. He was so mad the next day. he was funny this big six-foot-four green guy storming around the trailer, throwing things, saying, they're black. It was just very funny
1: to hear it. <laughs> oh, shit. <You're, laughs> you, you broke up for all of that. <laughs> yeah. Basically, you were saying yeah. that Dick Durant got pissed because Swamp Thing didn't win, and he was ranting, walking around in, a, in, a, in his Swamp Thing suit, ranting that he yeah, like, Swamp no. Thing didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> was,
2: this big green guy was walking around the trailer the next day saying that Josephine Baker's story, just because got points just because they're black, which I thought was really funny coming from a green guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dick Dick du- Duroc was old school, that's for sure. <laughs> oh my god.
2: Okay, so, so yeah. then
1: after that we worked on uh, uh, what was after that at Alterion? Because we worked a long time at Alterion together.
2: Uh, yeah, like uh, from whenever we got back. Well, the following year, uh, Swamp Thing got picked up again for and they were shooting seasons two and three back to back, and you and Lisa decided you didn't want to go because it was during the school year, and you didn't want to relocate, you know, the kids and right. all that stuff. So that's where I went by myself, and Christine Oneski was my oh, uh, assistant.
1: Yeah.
2: Wow. Yep, and bringing back
1: all kinds of memories for me. I have no
2: recall, <laughs> but the effects hub. Remember the what? <laughs> the effects hub. Of- the effects what? She was on a different hoe. Oh, the
1: effects hoe. That's right.
2: <laughs> Remember, that's what Lisa called her yeah. she worked for it, a different effects department every season. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> okay, so after the after yeah. Swamp Thing,
2: then that's when I moved back, or well, sort of moved. I mean, I never really left my place, but that's when I came back to LA after seven months in Florida. That's when I bought my house, Lake Arrowhead. And within the years, when I started working at Alterian, I did uh yeah, I wasn't really even officially working at Alterian yet when I uh, did Billy the Butcher's wigs for Hocus Pocus. Oh,
1: you did Billy the Butcher's wigs.
2: Yeah. Wow, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I did. I did one of them at Alterian, so Tony could look at it, and then I matched the other one. But, well, you know, I took it up to my house on Lake Arrowhead and did it. Um. Oh, wow. Then, yeah, six months after that, uh, it was like January 93 is when I basically started working at Ulterior full time, all the way until 1999. Wow.
1: Yeah, we worked on Batman yeah. and Robin.
2: The Craft is one of the best. Oh, The Craft. Oh, cool. I didn't know you worked on that. Oh, yeah, that's where the sharks are from, Mike. Oh, really? <laughs> My house? Yeah. Yeah, those are the big 12-footer hanging from the deck out front. That's the one that... Perusa kind of petted that, you know, washed up on the beach. Right, right. Oh, that's great.
1: I forgot about that old age makeup I did on uh, Lupe. Oh, yeah. What was her name? Lupe? Yeah,
2: Lupe. That was her. Wow. See? Good memory. I, I, well, I
1: t- totally forgot about it. That was the one time I got to do this, or the second time I got to do like a full-on old age overlapping appliance makeup of a super old lady. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. And then yeah, the o- it was great. The,
1: the other one was uh, on... Mag, Mag, Magda on right, some, which they wound
2: up not using. Yeah, yeah. is that something, about, something about Mary? Yeah, actually, some- something about Mary was after the craft. So the craft was your first one.
1: Oh, okay. So yeah, that yeah. Ma- the Magda one was great. I thought I thought it was really cool, but it was too it too was old. Really
2: cool. <laughs> well, also yeah, and Lynn Shay didn't want to sit through three hours of makeup. Yeah, something they could have just sprayed hand. Yeah,
1: her. I don't blame her. <laughs> okay,
2: the whole uh, gag was that she. Like lived in Malibu and laid out every day. So yeah. she, they became one of these Malibu mummies. They're called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow! But your your boobs made it in. Oh, hold on a second.
0: Well, dogfight, dogfight, serious dogfight. I know. I hate it when that happens. So they always. It always sounds so much worse than it really is. Too. That's the thing. Yeah. Dog like got pissed. A- I was gonna say the and big dog helped. putting the smack down on the small dog. Like, Don't mess with me. This is my house. Well, hopefully there's no holes. Yeah. We always say my holes. Well, house.
2: this hopefully almost no happened. Happened. a little while ago. It, it's bone day. Chet and Lisa gave all the dogs a bone. Uh That'll and, um, do it. Didn't want hers until she saw a dog chewing on his and went, <laughs> that yeah, never Doc, works
0: out well. Doc's not having it at all. No. No, Doc, Doc's grumpier in his old age. Yeah, it happens. Well, and also I imagine having so many, you know, new dogs coming in and out, you know, he's he's kind of probably like, I don't understand the pack order here exactly. Because there's, you know, I mean, there's always, you know, Dottie's coming and then there's puppies and yep. then there's baby girl and right. there's just all these animals. He probably has a hard time knowing where he stands at times, you know? Yeah. Oh, I think he knows he's the alpha. He's <laughs> force it every once in a while. Not yeah, that's concept, it is. He's undoubtedly the alpha. Yeah, Doc's a bad boy. He loves me, though. It's yeah. funny. Like, I have all the people. He and I get along so well. He never has any hang-ups with oh, yeah. me. My buddy. No, he, he's in here with me now. So. Nice.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Back to babies. That was crazy. Everybody okay? Yeah. Yeah, no one's hurt. But I, I didn't. No one even knows what happened. It just scared the shit right. out of me. I heard the dog yelping. Yep, sounded harsh. Yeah. yeah, but she's not hurt, so oh my god. Crazy. <laughs> this is an exciting episode.
0: This is definitely an exciting episode.
1: <laughs> What's going on, Mikey?
0: I thought I thought putting
2: Doc in the room with me would like keep him calm down and distracted. But whenever someone barks out there he has to bark back.
1: Oh yeah. Well, hopefully he won't they won't bark out there. Wait. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is that okay? Should I let it back out?
1: Yeah, you could let him back out. I think they'll be wa- if you want to. I think they're keeping an eye uh, on the I dogs
2: now. I don't care. I'm just barking for sound. I'll oh, just he stand here, and if he barks any more, I'll back out. All right. Okay.
1: All right. Okay. Uh, let's get let's get back to it.
0: Do You remember where we were about? <laughs> Yeah, we were, uh, what was the last film that we were talking about? You guys talked about uh, The Sharks. The Craft, right. Um, He has to come back out.
1: (laughs) We're either going to have a lot of editing or this is going to be a really (laughs) interesting episode.
0: The dog episode. (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: Dog attack.
0: That's why I said Um, we let the dogs out at the beginning of it. Right.
2: Oh yeah, we were talking about we had gone from the craft to Magda and uh Magda's boobs was the last thing I said. That the boobs Yeah, that is it, what you know? said. Her face didn't.
1: <laughs> the the oh the boobs, right? Malibu
2: mummies. Yep, Malibu Mummies. That's them. I think I sculpted
1: those boobs, right? For Magda. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sculpted yep. Magda's boobs on the, something about Mary. It's one of my crowning achievements.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they were awesome.
1: <laughs> Saggy boobs. So okay, uh, what uh, what was what was after that? Um,
2: I'm trying the, to, I'm uh, trying
1: to get us through the Alterian years and into uh, face off. Right. Oh no, Rick's Then we worked okay, at Rick's then we, together.
2: Then we get to Rick's and then spectral. And the yeah. spectrum. Oh my God.
1: It's going to be a long one. episode.
2: <laughs> I know. There's a couple high points at Alterian to mention now. Cabin Boy, we kind of snubbed our nose at then, but Cabin was a bit of a classic now, with Chris Elliott.
1: Yeah, it's um, got it's got a it's got a cult following now.
2: Absolutely. And uh, it
1: deserves it. It's pretty funny. I have to watch it now because I I remember watching it and being disappointed because I was a huge Chris Elliott fan and a huge, huge right. fan of that show Get a Life. And it yep. was kind of just a different
2: style of humor than that i think so it was and i was disappointed when i saw it and i told my friends that oh it's a terrible movie don't bother watching it and then they would watch it and come back to me and say are you crazy that movie was hilarious really so uh
1: yeah i remember i made those i've I've never seen it look i I, yeah i haven't seen it since it came out i gotta watch it again because yeah people say people say oh i saw your name on cabin boy and i just Mm -hmm. you know i i I made some Chris Elliott miniature heads. Remember those?
2: Yeah. Those were yeah, pretty for funny. The scene where they're in the boat and the giant guy picks the boat up. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. I don't remember doing anything other than that though.
2: Um,
1: I don't think I, re- I, I was working on some other show at the time there. I think.
2: Yeah, probably. We, I know we were doing like three shows at the time. Adam's family values. Right. Um, but anyway, that was Kevin Boyd was another noteworthy thing. We did it, uh, Altarian. The other two were uh, in 98, 99, Stir of Echoes and Three Kings. I think oh, those yeah. were the best things we did at Altarian. I
0: liked Stir of Echoes. I thought that was a good movie. Yeah. I did too. That was one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, that was cool. That was fun. That was a fun. Uh... What did I do on that? I mean, I helped with the corpse?
2: Yeah, well, the funny thing is, <laughs> I used Magda's appliances that we didn't use. Oh, right. I, put, I glued those over a skeleton make the stir of echo's corpse. Right. <laughs> and then you painted it and then I flocked over your paint job with so it you know like real mummies have that velvety texture. Right. So I I, I flocked it with black and brown powdered flocking and it had the look of a real mummy.
1: Yeah, that was really amazing that mummy. Yeah. Uh, what was the and other was one?
2: Big, and it also uh. it also felt strange because there was, you know, the the hard bones and then a layer of foam latex. And then the layer of thing, and there was a scene where Kevin Bacon had to hold her hand, you know, uh-huh. psychic visions from her. And after a couple of takes, he came to me and he said, "What the hell is that thing made out of?" <laughs> he couldn't tell.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? you're he like, it's, like a, it's a real dead body, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Well, that that's a
1: that that's a good lead into the um, Three Kings story because you basically that was even though we did it at alterian that was your job pretty much you were in charge of that and it was for the shop where there's a a bullet going in and piercing a guy's gallbladder oh, yeah. and so it's like a, a yep. uh, like a cross-section of a of a torso and you could see all the guts and it looks super real um cool. yeah and uh didn't didn't tony or somebody didn't someone think it was a real dead body or something
2: Oh, yeah, the rumor got started after the movie was released that um, we actually shot a corpse. And Tony actually wanted to perpetuate that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <a> <laughs> it
1: is pretty good publicity. I'm not
2: sure who the first person was that said it. I think it might have been like a local Arizona newspaper where we shot it.
1: Okay, because I thought there was like a sheriff or something that was calling and thought we... Yeah, there.
2: yeah that, happened, that happened after our time. Hmm. Three Kings was the last thing we worked on at Alterion. And we were actually both gone by the time the movie was released.
1: Okay. And so what was the, the next thing we did together?
2: Um, um,
1: Rick at... We, uh, did,
2: screaming, we did Tool at Screaming Lobster.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. We did the Tool videos. Um,
2: and then it was on to uh, Planet of the Apes at Rick Baker's. And you actually took off work from Planet of the Apes to do their next Tool video.
1: Oh, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Now I do.
2: I get a mixed up. I, I get Schism and Parabola mixed up really badly.
1: Right. <laughs> schism was the, the crazy one with the huge crew and, and, the, and right. the the full bodies and all the stuff they didn't... Sh- they, remember the gut sets? Those amazing yeah. gut sets yeah, they're like huge full. sets that were in t- looked like the inside of a body that, that you barely saw in the video. There's so much great right. stuff they didn't shoot on that, or they shot but they didn't use because it just, you know, you got to when you edit you got to cut a lot of stuff out
2: yep yeah that was a lot of work that's the one that you t- took a leave of absence from planet of the apes we, uh, Planet of the apes was in its last two months of shooting mm. so you know your work was mostly done we were just in the trailer maintaining things by that point
1: point. and that's when i painted my first painting and decided i was going to be a painter it was on it was during that time where i was in the the um uh the the trailer on set board right. just painting
2: and, and, and you gave away a really cool sketch to don rutherford or somebody like that
1: <laughs> yeah i gave away some airbrush painting and then i and then i that made that little painting one out of acrylics the pa- paints i was using to, to touch up the um right champ <laughs>
2: so they were all chimp colored paintings which is kind of what you're still using today yeah
1: yeah yeah I mean every my my painting is is like is very it, it all goes back to um painting with grease paint and stuff and 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 makeups and especially oils are kind of like grease paint you know so I think that's yeah, kind of where I first sure. made that connection um so okay uh then then it was men in black Two, right yes or Haunted mansion
2: Men in Black 2, then Haunted Mansion.
1: Where yep. Haunted Mansion, Banky was in charge. You were in charge of the, the zombies, right? The
2: zombies. Yeah, it's a whole five minutes to the movie, but it's a damn good five minutes. We made some really good those, Bernie writes and Fs zombies.
1: Those are the coolest zombies I've ever seen.
2: Ever. I know. <laughs> those I are agree. so cool. <laughs> That's
1: one of the things that dri- drives me crazy about the film industry is you make these amazing things and then the whole movie's just a piece of shit. And and it's yeah. just like, uh, well, that was
2: heartbreaking. Yeah, but, I mean, we shouldn't have had much hope knowing that Eddie Murphy was starring in Haunted Mansion, which made no sense whatsoever.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, that's another producer thing, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's like that. That's the thing. That's why I was all freaked out to come out of college and go and like do the, you know, the Hollywood kind of like. try to get into that world and that the production and get in on a low level tier and work my way up and all that. I was like, none of that sounds appealing at all. Like I mean, you know, being able to, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, it would have. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a detective. When I was older, but I would have never suffered through the years of being a cop to becoming a detective. (laughs) Like it's not going to happen. That's kind of how I felt about Hollywood and that whole like that just that whole thing. And so I kind of was like, well, you know, maybe I should just go hunker down and do my own thing, you know. And so that's I really avoided it too in my own my own way. And and always thought to myself, well, eventually, you know, something will work out where I don't have to be you know, have some some fist it's like, no, it's this way and, you know, sell out all the creative integrity of your work for some spectacle and, you know, all this nonsense. And that's really where crowdfunding came in. I mean, that's the only reason I, I've been able to achieve what I've been able to achieve is, is by the support of the people, you know, and, and you're in the midst of doing one right now, too. And it's, it's the same thing. It's like the more support we can get, the more we can take these amazing ideas and actually make them in a way where we're not selling ourselves out to these assholes that have no creative integrity whatsoever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> um, so let's see what what was after. Okay, so yeah, we did some yeah cool 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 zombies. The sets on Haunted Match were amazing. We got I, I oh, went on set were. one day and it was unbelievable. Another thing, an amazing set for a terrible movie. Yes, you know? <laughs> I remember
2: that was the same on uh, Planet of the Apes. They yeah, amazing costumes, amazing makeups. Hi, Doc, and amazing <laughs> sets for this total piece of shit movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it was a real disappointment. A lot of disappointments. Yeah. I remember on Haunted Mansion, I was I got to play a ghost. And, oh, right. Yeah, I and I was there <laughs> on Second Unit, and there was this guy directing Second Unit. Uh, I'm. Tor. I'm uh,
0: don't say his name. <laughs> I'm, oh shit! Sorry. Because I'm going to him. He said to floor, it. floor, F L O O R. Talking no. about. Okay, edit
1: it out. I, I was drinking I was drinking tea. I'm a ghost drinking tea during the graveyard scene. I'm the man. There's a man and a woman drinking tea. I think I'm pouring tea or drinking tea. Oh, it was really embarrassing. It was, it was at that moment I realized when they were filming me for green screen that I have no talent for acting. That oh, was terrible because the, the, uh-huh. there was another actor who's a ghost who was an actor. It was that guy who, um, John Alexander, is that his name? Uh-huh. And he's yeah. an actor, you know, and he's right. up there and just turns it on, acts like, you know, an old fashioned ghost while he's walking. And it's just so amazing. And I get up there and they're like, okay, just walk. <laughs> it was so embarrassing because I just couldn't do it. I couldn't let go of my inhibitions and act naturally. It was so, I was embarrassed. Hmm. I was, I was, I was mortified. Thank God I had uh, prosthetics on my face, but no, um, I never knew that. Yeah. I was so I felt so stupid, but, um, you know it's fine in the movie you can't tell because it's a quick shot but I just remember the second unit director was like sitting there God knows what he was getting paid it's for a big budget movie and he's sitting there (laughs) playing like uh, like a Nintendo game looking down not paying attention to anything he was just totally disinterested he's like okay go ahead and roll you know just yeah and it was just like oh my god (laughs) this is such bullshit
2: Wow. But, yeah, I remember that now that you bring it up. Yeah. I totally forgot about his Nintendo.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: forgot about his Nintendo.
1: But okay, so after Haunted Mansion there
2: was I think then pretty much Spectral was next. Well Hellboy,
1: were you there for Hellboy?
2: Well Hellboy was the same time as Haunted Mansion. Oh okay. So I was I was like a hundred percent dedicated to Haunted Mansion. But um I remember it was really funny because uh Guillermo would come by the shop sometimes after hours and check out the Hellboy stuff, and he would just stand there captivated and watch me work on the zombies. (laughs) You could tell he loved to play the zombies so bad. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because he's he's a he's a huge fan of zombies and and makeup effects, you know.
2: Well that's that's what's great about Guillermo is that he's a director that's a true fan, you know? Yeah, loves everything we love.
1: Yep. He's one of us that made it.
2: Yeah, congratulations, Guillermo, on your Oscar.
1: Yes, that's right. Congrats, Guillermo, on two Oscars. Amazing.
2: And congratulations to Kazu.
1: Yes, yeah, Kazu. The one who
2: deserved an
1: Oscar 18 years ago. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But Kazu won the coolest way you can win. He retired from the business because it was so much bullshit. (laughs) And then they had to, Gary Oldman wouldn't do the the show unless he got Kazu to do it. So they pulled him out of retirement and he didn't want to deal with it on set so he got two makeup artists on set to deal with the application every day he just got to design it and, and create the makeup and then he wins a fucking Oscar <laughs> it's yeah. like that's the coolest way to win an Oscar not to be desperate I want the Oscar it's because he's just like fuck this shit man okay right. if I have to if you really want me that bad you know I'll yeah. do it I suppose and then he does it and then he wins the Oscar it was amazing that's like the great. coolest is amazing. the coolest way to win an Oscar <laughs>
2: And Kazu's an awesome
1: guy and Guillermo's an awesome guy. So, okay. Anyway, uh, then we went to Spectral and
2: Spectral where we did, uh, Hellboy 2. Oh, right. And And we did the Fantastic Four, uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer. We,
1: we did, uh, the, you and I did the Chamberlain together. You did the costume for the Chamberlain and I did his fleshy bits.
2: Yeah, I actually saw a picture of that costume recently and it's really good. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> like great. Forgot about it. It's, so I love long.
1: it. Yeah, yeah, the, the costume really made it set it off. It's perfect. It was a really And it was fun that that I don't know from your end but from, from what I remember we didn't get we just kind of got to do what we wanted just to make oh, yeah, it look the, good.
2: Exactly. Garmo's the one that told you do the Chamberlain however you want. So, you know, nobody messed with us yeah you know? <laughs> and
1: that's so rare in the film business it was great it, so, is, it was a blast but it's just
2: because Guillermo was a fan of your art by that time right right so he just said you know do a chad's
1: yeah yeah um, just make the just make his mouth make it sure it's Doug Jones's mouth that's right, uh talks right. and that, and everything else you can do whatever so
2: yeah right but, and Doug played I think like five characters in Hellboy 2 <laughs> yeah I think so <laughs> wow he's that's crazy
1: the go-to guy yeah <laughs> So okay, and then um and then what 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 after that? Hmm. Oh so yeah, we did Fantastic uh, Four and all that. Silver right. Surfer. Right, Silver or-
2: Surfers, what I mainly concentrated on. And that was that was the biggest bitch of a suit to work on because everything had to be perfect. There could right. be like no seams, no flaws. We had to like sew in invisible zippers that you couldn't see once they were zipped up. So that that was pretty nerve wracking. And I then they—that was before or after.
1: And then they CG would over the whole thing,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> we could have had bubbles all over the place.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Except for the scene where he's rusted—that's the real suit. That's where you actually get to see it.
1: Uh, I don't think I ever saw the movie.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, there, there's you know five minutes where he's all rusty and in suit with no CG, and it looks really cool.
1: I remember when uh, the the time that we. Um, someone leaked something about the silver surfer a picture or something do you remember that
2: yeah i don't even think it was a picture i think it was just someone talking about it and then yeah it got and published we, and we got so. dressed
1: dressed down like some producers came down and gathered the whole shop around and said
2: oh yeah you know it was a big deal the producers actually flew from vancouver to burbank to come yell at us
1: yeah yeah and they were, were like, like <laughs> and what, how many people were in that room 50 people or something or yeah, it was packed. Definitely. And they they were like, you know, that was really terrible, really unprofessional to do, whoever did that. And um you, you know, it's the Silver Surfer is iconic. I mean, the Silver Surfer surfer is really, really and then Mitch Mitch, my friend Mitch, who's this sculptor guy, his smartass, biggest smart ass in the world too. He's in the yeah. back. The guy goes the silver surfer, surfer is really really and Mitch goes silver <laughs> <laughs> it was like such a great moment mitch did not give a shit it was beautiful yeah. but um yeah, was. okay that was so, yes <laughs> so uh okay how, well how did you we we got to move it along a little bit how did you end up um getting to to do face off because that's kind of a weird story because that was kind of I was going to do that. I was going to do that first. (laughs) Remember that? That
2: Right. Yeah. You were the original consultant
1: Consultant guy. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then you ended up getting it, which I was so glad because I I would not have done a good job, as good a job as you. That's for sure. And I don't think I would have liked it. Like
2: you did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just kind of a transition because while, because again, Brett Patrick Jenkins is uh, one of the original creators and producers of face off.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, he had me go meet with those guys when they were first had the concept with these two producer guys, right? Hello? I'm listening. Binky.
0: Did he? Didn't he?
1: I think Binky's gone. Binky.
0: <laughs> this has got to be the weirdest episode that ever <laughs> know, happened. what the fuck? Are you there, I mean,
1: it's Binky? it's been fun and really interesting. <laughs> oh, okay, and stuff. Binky's back. Are you there?
2: Oh, yeah, shit. I didn't know I went away. Okay,
1: yeah, you <laughs> went away. Yeah, I, I went... Brett asked me as a favor to go meet with these two guys who had the, they had the, and they had the idea for face off and I was kind of giving them my opinion on how you had to do everything. And then they basically said they would hire me to, to um, be the consultant on the show. And then I didn't hear from them for a long time. And then somehow
2: you ended up getting the show, right? Well, Brett, uh, you know, I guess even while he was still consulting with you, he was consulting with me over the phone about some stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And he just wound up calling almost every week. And then eventually he just said, so can we pay you to being insulted? It's like, well, yeah, that'd be better than doing it for free. Yeah,
1: I was I was so glad you got that job.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even supposed to be for the run of the show. It was supposed to just be until we shot the first episode. And Mm -hmm. I was planning on, you know, saying my goodbyes and out of there. I was just going to go watch the first episode just out of curiosity you know it, it wound up being me being there for 3 days a week to be being there 5 days a week to being there you know 5 or 6 days a week with really long hours
1: for how long and
2: uh how long now in total
1: how long yeah how long did you work on the show enti- in in entirety
2: 13 seasons which was about 7 wow. years yeah 7 years yeah well crazy um, so they decided that they wanted me on set well the very first episode one of the artists put uh You know, he had a prosthetic that covered somebody's eye and he put the prosthetic directly on the prosthetic all over it and then stuck it on. At the end of the day, we found out that the guy's eyelid is glued to his cornea. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah, this is the this is season one, episode one. Holy shit. So he pulled out a chunk of his cornea. So. um. I immediately became safety officer after that, <laughs> where I had to, like, be out on the floor whenever any makeup was being done to try to keep an eye on that kind of stuff. So,
1: right. Wow. Uh, no pun intended.
2: So I, I basically had, like, five, <laughs> five jobs on face-off. Starting on season two, I was also helping with the casting. So I was, like, safety, casting. I would touch up the makeups on set because the artists, you know, have to stand there in a line looking pretty. They're not allowed to touch up their own makeups. Right. Right. So, yeah, that was, a, that was a jam-packed show for six or seven years.
1: Yeah, you are working your ass off for that period yep. of time.
2: Yep. And I was always doing night jobs, too. Remember, I did a lot of the monster project at night after face-off. Right. I, I always did John Braver's Delusion stuff, the ember suit and uh, whatever crazy suits he was coming up with. I would work on my spare time.
1: And the Dystopia show, you've made the Interloper. Uh, yeah, Dystopia
2: that was perfect timing. I think I just finished work like literally a week before I
0: had to start building that.
1: Yeah, that was amazing. That
0: was, that was, that was, that was, that was an amazing too. experience for me. Cause I actually got to watch you work, you know, cause I've heard all these stories, but I've never actually seen you in action. So to actually be able to kind of just like hang out and watch you do your thing and build that interloper suit and all the layers and all the processes and kind of seeing it go from being something that's like, yeah, it looks like it might be to like, whoa, it is, you know, and it's that, <laughs> that's that kind of magic of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you uh, you can help paint.
1: Thanks. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. you're helping paint the interloper. interloper. Yeah, Binky's great. Binky's a pro. Yeah, that was
2: another fun one because there was no producers. It was just us.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, it's
2: a
0: uh, uh, art party in Chet's backyard. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. That was that was a good time. Um, yeah, Binky binky is really really especially good at uh, foam construction stuff like that. Just building something out of nothing out of you know, sheets of foam. It's really right. kind of this, uh, like a, a low budget way of doing things. But there's really an amazing art to it.
2: Yeah, and I don't even consider it low budget. I would start that way no matter what the budget is, because the suits are super light. Like the Skinwalker yeah, suit, I think right. weighed like three pounds. Right, and if they were foam index, that would be forty pounds easy. Yeah, you know, right? that's so. true.
1: But usually, it seems like on sh- big large productions. There's the whole sc- suit is sculpted and cast in foam. You know what I mean? Right.
2: Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That's, that's sometimes unnecessary because right, it right. can look just as good and be much more actor friendly to do more foam construction.
1: Right. Okay. So how'd you get onto the monster project? Cause this is the first movie you produced.
2: Right. That was because of John Braver, who I just mentioned, John Braver does this really cool thing. Uh, um wow. <laughs> it's
1: like a it's like a haunted
2: haunted house. Yeah, it's uh, play kind of thing. hauntedplay.com. Uh yeah, it's he's been doing it since 19 or, sorry, 2011 where it's like it originally it was called hauntedplay.com. Now it's called Delusion. Um and it's a cross between a haunted house and a play. It takes place in a real mansion down in the West Adams district los angeles and uh the audience goes in in groups of about 10 and a different scene takes place in each room and you just move through the whole mansion and you know then another group follows so mm-hmm. it's it really is more of a play than a haunted house by right. far and it's an interactive experience you always have to like find this book that opens this wall or find right. this key that into that room or the you know so cool yeah, people are getting separated from the group. Well, whenever I have time, I do something for John. And I had done a, uh, a really cool demon. It was kind of like a Hulk body with a goat skull head. And uh, Victor Matthew was the first AD that year. And Victor became the creative director as well as AD in following years. I got an email from John with an uh, illustration of a skinwalker that they liked and said, Hey, you want to make this for Victor? I was like, mm. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I said, "Send the script." Uh, I was actually I was going to turn it down because the skinwalker suit wasn't you know that big of a deal. It's not like it was anything I hadn't done before. Right. And it, it was a found footage movie, and I hate found footage movies. <laughs> so I was all I was all prepared to say no and pass on it. But then I read. The script. Uh oh. So
0: um, wait a minute. Not only did I wait,
2: do it,
0: I. Mikey. Did you move around?
1: Mikey, we can't hear you.
2: Oh, it says poor network connection.
1: Okay, hold on. So you could just start at okay. start at uh, what was the last thing he said? We he talking about
0: skin skinwalker suits. Yeah. No, you were yeah, talking about. never done he... one. But then he said that he, would, he I, would. I was I was about ready to turn it down. Right. Because you hate hate found found footage footage. movies.
2: Yes. Okay. Okay. And not, um, but then I was, I was basically just reading the script as a formality before I said no. And it's one of the best three scripts I've read in the last 15 years. So not only did I wind up doing it, I did all the effects for free in exchange for an executive producer credit.
1: Yeah. So, And that's got just, distribution and and uh, it's it's legit
2: yeah epic pictures distributed it and the sub distributor was dread central so it streams oh, cool. on uh every platform that dread
0: dread central has anything to do with nice that's
1: awesome well, well
0: um, and it went and it went crazy viral too i watched it when it went off it was like a big deal you know i mean i not even because of chet or you like i saw it happening on my own and if i'm you know if i'm seeing something on my own it's you right know, it's Obviously, this this shit had some buzz going, and that, that's exciting, you know.
2: Yeah, it did pretty well its first couple of weeks. It uh, was, I think, number six, number six or eight on Amazon Rentals, hmm, but, nice. and it was like number one as far as the horror movies. It outdid Annabelle. Wow. Um, so cool. And let's see what else? Oh, uh, but uh, Epic still was not going to give it a. DVD or Blu-ray release because you know that's just an extra expense they thought it was unnecessary and uh, it was just going to be on streaming platforms for Mm. the rest Mm -hmm. of eternity then they started seeing how many pirates it was getting it's like it got over 80,000 pirates and that's all the money that could have been in our pocket you know yeah so they decided to do a Blu-ray release, and then after that, they decided to to do an American release. So, I believe the American Blu-ray and DVD is going to come out around mid-April.
1: Oh, awesome!
0: Yeah, that's such great news.
1: So, yep. is is Quarantine Christmas? Is this anyone uh, that worked with you on the Monster Project, or is this a totally different?
0: This is group? like all
2: Face Off models. Alexander Ray Williams is one of the Face Off models. He was there, oh, God, almost longer than anybody from season five through season 12, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, he's, you know, nobody does that for a living. He's really a writer-director. And I've always compared him to the next Rod Serling because he normally writes 20-minute shorts and they're all this like combo fantasy sci-fi thriller teaching like, life lessons like Rod Serling did. Right. He's honestly, he's the closest thing I've ever seen to another Rod Serling. And he writes a few feature-length films, but his platform really is 20 minutes, so he'd be perfect to produce a Twilight Zone-type series. Right. And uh, Quarantine Christmas is one of his projects, and we're honestly doing it first because it's the simplest to produce. Right, it's you know a few people in a house
0: with a really good story. Yeah,
1: that's that's what you, that's all you need for a good low-budget movie.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean that's like classic dramatic action. That's what it's all about. It's not about the frills and the gimmicks and the spectacle. It's about the dramatic action between the characters. Exactly. That's why the one of my
2: favorite movies, Death Trap by Ira Levin. They call it a five-character one-spent moneymaker. Because all you need is a really good story and some good actors on one set. Let
1: them go. Hey, my dinner with Andre. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, and that's two people. Two people at a (laughs) dinner table the whole time. It's a great movie. Yeah, exactly. So, well, you guys, if you uh, uh, would like to support, we'll have a link on the. Yeah, you got
0: to go over and check it out. They've got amazing stuff too. That's the thing. It's like it's kind of you know this gem that's that's hidden somehow in the rough. You guys got to go over and check out this project because it's really a cool. Thing to get behind and they have amazing things that they're offering
1: you as well yeah so check out their Indiegogo page and if you can support Bunky'd uh, appreciate it you help help him help launch his cl- career into producing where he belongs and um, <laughs> producing and makeup effects and uh, I guess we should wrap it up because we're at like an hour 20 at this point so yeah oh wow we probably should yeah well, but we should have, well I'm sure yeah,
0: we'll, a lot, as we always say we'll Mike's do a part network. two you know what?
2: Sorry.
1: You guys are talking at the same time.
0: A lot, of, a lot of that
2: extra time is dogs fighting and uh, microphones not working. Yeah.
1: Well, we might. We'll have to see, go through that and see if we just leave it all in. <laughs> it might, I,
0: might. Think should, I think we should leave it because, like, even when you were gone, he and I were just chatting. And then, like, then, and then when, he, when he stopped talking, I kind of kept talking to fill the space. Right. It might be fun. It was like the most chaotic episode we've ever yeah, had. And, it's been and, really. I, I mean, it's been super entertaining to me, personally. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: it is, it's is—it's our one-year anniversary. We forgot it is to mention, too. anniversary. So. Yeah,
0: good. I'm glad you mentioned we've that. That's funny, because we were both tripping on that. Like, whoa, we've really been doing this for a year? Seriously? Oh, wow. Yeah, I had no
1: idea. Yeah, it's crazy. So this is the 50, episode 52.
2: 52nd,
0: yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway... Well, Mikey, thanks for coming on. That was really fun. Uh, We'll definitely have you back on again and get into more. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having me. Into more gory details because there's a shitload of stories. Yeah. uh, Stuff I know I have forgotten about that you will remember. A lot of funny, (laughs) ridiculous movie industry stories. Yep. So okay, yeah. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, if you could uh, check out my Patreon, it's patreon.com/chetzar. I'm basically teaching everything I know about art making and painting and sculpting and molding and casting and giving in-depth analysis of my work. And it's a really fun platform to go on, and I'm and I'm really excited about it. So uh, if you could, you could even just throw down a buck. Every every little bit helps. And um, Mike's got some Patreons himself.
0: I do indeed. Um, yeah, I actually have my emails from Infinity Patreon, which is to support my audiobook podcast, which is kind of our sister podcast in a certain way. Which is great. Um, to this one, but it's it's all written and scored and recorded by me. Um, and it's a really interesting story. And then my most recent one is to support my ritual artwork, which is like the ward making that I do and the wands. And basically all of my work is, is re- really vessels for my energy. And I, I'm very much into the magical, properties of intending energy into specific vessels to contain it. And I find all those things naturally sourced here in New Mexico. So my Patreon is basically taking you guys with me on my journeys uh, out into the Badlands to discover these things and then the process of actually creating things out of them, these wards and these other magical items and things like that. So yeah, as little as a buck a month, super cheap. Chet's got a great one too. So go and check those out. Mine's uh, patreon.com forward slash land of enchantment tours. And
1: last but not least the dark art society patreon we're still growing that still growing the community um the the secret facebook page is still going strong and getting bigger every day and if you're you know a, a supporter of this movement um there's really no better way to support than go on the patreon and contribute as little as a buck and get access to the uh the secret facebook page group page or whatever it is and um mm-hmm.
0: start cooperative to, page
1: yes start throwing around ideas and start forming this thing into what we want it to be so um that's uh, patreon.com slash dark art society yep all right well thanks for listening hopefully this episode was not too chaotic <laughs>
0: no i think it was fun <laughs> what the fuck was that that was me (laughs) (laughs) so that was kind of creepy I know that was the idea (laughs) (laughs)
1: alright well thanks 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 again thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next time
0: catch you guys next Wednesday thank you so much bye bye